Today on Cyberwork, I have a great talk with John Bambanek of Netenrich and Bambanek Consulting about threat research, intelligence analytics, why the same security problems are so evergreen, and the importance of pitching in just a little bit extra of your time and talents to make the world a bit better than you found it. Great talk today. That's coming up today on Cyberwork. Welcome to this week's episode of the Cyberwork with InfoSec podcast. Each week, we talk with a different industry thought leader about cybersecurity trends, the way those trends affect the work of InfoSec professionals, and offer tips for those breaking in or moving up the ladder in the cybersecurity industry. As an experienced global cybersecurity expert and researcher, John Bambanek oversees threat intelligence research and modeling at Netenrich. For more than 20 years, John has, has advised Fortune 500 companies and government agencies on threat research into Incident response and SOC operations. He investigated major cyber threats and criminal organizations while coordinating with U.S. and foreign law enforcement entities. John is currently an incident handler at the SANS Internet Storm Center and president of Bambanet Consulting. He is an admired industry speaker known for presenting at RSA, Black Hat, DEF CON, ShmooCon, and various other conferences. So as we can see from John's bio, uh, John has spent his career steeped in all things threat intelligence, threat research, threat modeling, intelligence, analytics, and more. Uh, so we're going to talk about some of the threats on the horizon, uh, what's keeping him awake these days, and his recommendations to turn the tides. Uh, John, welcome to Cyberwork. Thanks for having me and for that uh, great introduction. Very glad to have you here. So uh, we always like to get uh, take the temperature of our guests by uh, uh, understanding a bit how they got interested. Where did you first get interested in computers and tech and specifically in cybersecurity? Because I see you were an undergraduate in astrophysics. So right. when did you make the jump over to computer science and cybersecurity? Well, that's actually an interesting story. Uh, so at six years old, um, you know, my father got a computer, a TI-99, right? I don't oh, know. Yeah. How, yeah. Okay. I know. So yep. Basically a keyboard, you plug into a, into a TV, mm -hmm. you know, didn't have floppy disk had a cassette tape. So I had to index yep. everything by little tick marks on the cassette player. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I would write, you know, just miscellaneous computer programs back in the day, they had little computer programming magazines, right? Yes. Like that magazine or whatever. It's like, Oh, yep. I'll make this game, make this game. Um, you know, spend 15 I, hours writing code so that you can make a little man walk across the screen and exactly yeah. right. Um, so, <laughs> but, but fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Fun. No, yeah. It, it was yeah, a yeah. great time. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there are two things that got me into security. One is, you know, probably a lot of people, you know, listening, right. Do video games. Yep. And the most annoying thing for me to do, I, I like RPGs where there's kind of a plot, but the most annoying thing for me is just grinding to get whatever yeah. you need. Mm -hmm. So I just like to skip again. Let's 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 move the plot line along. So go into a hex editor, start flipping bits to add go. gold or better swords or whatever, right? So yep. you know, cheating in video games was my gateway drug to malware reverse engineering, right? At at yeah. You know, pre-high school, really, right? Mm -hmm. And so learning, oh, you know, there's a difference between Little Indian and Big Indian and how things go and, yeah. and numbers rotate over. Um, the now, other, was that something that you learned sort of instinctively? Uh, were you just sort of like like breaking it, putting back together? Or did, were you sort of looking into sort of like like hacker magazines or, you know, things I, like that? No, I mean, this was before then, right? I mean, it, yeah. it was, you know, let's say, date myself. You're talking like mid-80s. Yep. At that point. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, they kind of existed. I just didn't know where to find them. Yep. Right. I mean, later in like high school, I figured out BBSs and right. you know, a little, little bit farther along, um, you know, so like genetically, I come from a family of lawyers and petty criminals. 
Okay. Or, or find a loophole in anything, right? Yeah, just, yeah. I mean, there's just no hope. Like, thou shalt not commit murder. I can find like seven loopholes off the top of my head. Right, 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 right. So okay. I really had no hope. Um, so part of it is just second nature of just finding the, the path of least resistance, which probably made me a pain in the ass of a kid to raise. And I have sympathy for my parents now that I have six of my own, which all have various iterations of my own personality challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, but I probably had that coming. Um, so and then then another aspect that I'm, I'm not entirely sure how I got into this, but it's like 10, 11 years old was making extra money by by selling bootleg software. Oh, yeah. OK. But yeah. yeah mm-hmm. You know, so behind mm-hmm. the public library or whatever, it's like, hey, would you yeah. like some Corel WordPerfect? Yeah. Right? Ta- you know? Masking tape over the, the, the notch and the floppy disk. Yeah. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. The masking yeah, yeah. tape. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it was there was, was a whole whole thing. Right. So, yep. you know, I was I was uh, breaking copyright before before it was cool. <laughs> you know, and it, it turned and, out and cheating. And back when it was easy. back when it was really easy too. Well, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now with, with online verification, right, there's remote servers doing all the license verification, which yeah. actually is a very useful tool for law enforcement because now right. I know buying and selling. Yeah. Um, you know, so all of that coincidentally, you know, my parents probably thought I was on track to be a degenerate of some kind, <laughs> and it turned out to be a really lucrative career. So I yeah. may not be empowered by technology, but I am enriched by it. Well, let's let's talk about uh, that moment. I mean, maybe there's not much to it, but did you have one of those moments? We've had uh, numerous guests who have been uh, walked off their high school campus, college campus for for hacking into a place that they should not have been and had that moment where they said, OK, this is not for me or or, mm-hmm. you know, it was a matter of I, I hacked into it because I wanted to see if I could hack into it. I wasn't looking to be malicious. But did you have did you have the sort of petty criminal versus uh, white hat? sort of discussion with yourself at some point, or was it always um, like, Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm more inclined to mischief, right. Mm-hmm. Than, than anything else. So like anything yeah. that I've ever done that could be mapped to criminality, right. Was, yeah. was mischievous and orient uh, in, in orientation. Right. You know, I helped fix the computers at the high school. Cause like mm-hmm. at that point it's the early nineties. So like, you know, yep. geek squad wasn't a thing, yeah. you know, but may have, engaged in some levels of mischief during class. Yeah, sure. It was a Catholic high school that kicked me out. I had a conversation with the dean who had no idea what the hell I was doing. He just yeah. said, stop disrupting class. Yes. And I was like, okay, that's fair. Um, and then eventually I got bored with high school and just really wasn't going, but I was getting A's and B's. So nobody could really say mm-hmm. anything about it. Uh, I want to say twice in college, the university tried to call the FBI or they did call the FBI on me that I heard about later. But the FBI didn't want anything to do with it because it was mischievous oriented, right? I had a friend right. who left the terminal open. So I modified his dot logout script to log him back in. <laughs> so something annoying enough to like get your attention, but not annoying enough to really dig dive deep into it. And, and yes. it just escalated to absurd, absurd proportions. And then, you know, ran for student government on the platform to dissolve it, but emailed the entire campus. And they said, oh, you're, <laughs> you're, you're dosing our mail servers. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. So I got, I got lucky, right? Because like I said right. at that mid nineties, you know, it's it, many names that people recognize in security have been on the business end of, aggressive use of the computer fraud and abuse act mm-hmm. and just there's no good reason why i got lucky it's just the field office i was in and the u.s attorney invo- i don't even know if the u.s attorney was ever questioned was just like yeah this is just not something that's interesting to me right so right. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't get the Kevin Mitnick treatment or the Aaron Schwartz treatment. Yeah. Yeah. They looked at, they, 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 they used their very important context clues to see that you were not uh, right, going right. for it. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I've always kind of erred on the side of, 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 of do no harm, right? Mischief and pranks is fair game, but yep. um, anytime I found vulnerabilities or O days, I report it to software vendors. I want nothing yep. to do with that vulnerability exploit market because we no. see where it's going with NSO and dark matter and others, right? It's, mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we could say, hey, I'm I'm compromising terrorists to save people. And then the next day, those tools are used to vivisect a journalist in an embassy. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I've got enough problems come the end of my life. I don't need that on my conscience. No, uh, absolutely. Perfect. <laughs> perfectly put. Um, so uh, moving on to some of your different job roles, you've had uh, a number of jobs with similar titles and presumably similar responsibilities. So for our listeners, many of whom are attempting to find their career paths for the first time, can you tell me about some of the distinctions between security researcher, threat researcher and threat analyst? Um, so, uh, I mean, largely it kind of depends on context of job, right? Okay. Um, you know, the first 10 years of my career, security research was more of a hobby. It's like, where are vulnerabilities and how to make things more secure? Okay. Uh, just at a higher level general thing of, of you know, say OWASP, right? Mm-hmm. Is a good security research outfit. Of, let's figure out how to wait, right. make web apps not suck because, yep. you know, I have enough work to do without yet another SQL injection vulnerability. Yes. Um, you know, threat research is what are the criminals doing? Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how you can defend against that specifically versus, say, hardening research, uh, hardening infrastructure, though they feed into each other a little bit. It's, you know, some measure of my time is trying to get people actually arrested and convicted. It's mm-hmm. very rare because of the international limitations of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, sometimes there's some success right there. Yeah. So, I mean, threat, threat analysis is, hey, I'm doing it inside of a company. What's coming after me? Threat research. I'm, I, you know, evil vendor land, right. Is just mm-hmm. what are bad guys doing generally and what can I do to either put stuff into my product to protect my customers, or I, I try to give, give a fair bit outwards also because, Hey, you know, everybody's, there's lots of vendors out there, but at a certain point we need to protect broader society too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's lots of my personal data and threat research that for instance, goes into quad nines. Uh, mm-hmm. to just provide free DNS filtering to anybody who points their DNS resolver at quad nines. Okay. Could I monetize? I, I do monetize it. Could I monetize it more? Sure. Yeah. But until we provide security for the 95% of the world that isn't protected by a SOC, it's all kind of academic, you know, mm-hmm. once it gets in the enterprise environment, we see that in the work from home reality is if I compromise somebody who's a remote worker, I can pivot into uh, corporate infrastructure fairly easy. Hopefully mm-hmm. I'll detect it then, but you've already got a foothold. Yeah. Now, um, can you talk about how those job titles differ in their uh, responsibilities or more to the point, I guess, what, uh, what types of experience or preparation? If one of those three, like people say, you know, I really want to, I really want to learn, uh, you know, security, uh, security researcher or threat researcher, like how, how similar are the skill sets in those, in those three types of jobs and how sort of how fluid are people who can sort of move between them? Or do you have to have sort of three, three buckets of, of knowledge? Um, I would, I wouldn't say it's three buckets of knowledge. They kind of built into each other, right. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, there's lots of people talking about, you know, your kind of security career path. Um, and like I said, teaching at, at, at a university, right. I, I deal with this with undergrads is, you know, how do you go from point A to point B and people talk about, okay, let's talk about threat intelligence. 
Could you do that as an entry-level job? I mean, kind of, mm-hmm. but you need the understanding uh, of how technology works right. and, and uh, to get an idea. Uh, same is true for, for forensics, right? People, you know, I want to go into forensics and there's a huge need for it and it's very lucrative. Mm-hmm. And I could teach somebody how to use the Celebrite in a month or, you know, a week-long class. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean they understand what's going on. It means they know how to use the tool. Yes. And that is kind of a fundamental problem with just generally of how we, we structure our industry. We teach people on tools. So I would say if you want to be, I mean, you know, while there's a big gap of trained professionals, it almost doesn't matter. You could pick whatever path you want right. and have some baseline of skills and you could figure it out. But to be truly successful, it's you know, now doing, you know, threat intelligence work is like the security analysis and research I did 10, 15 years ago, you know, helps that because I understand, okay, how Windows internals works and how network security works. And, you know, I might have to sit there and look at a cheat sheet, but I can figure out how packets are structured, you know, Mm -hmm. and, you know, in uh, Wireshark or TCP. Um, You know, and uh, there's a wide variety of other things like not in threat intelligence work. It's, actually kind of understanding some of the processes of how intelligence analyst analysis works in the intelligence community mm-hmm. and some of the geopolitical realities that go into why we're seeing certain type of cyber attacks and that ebb and flow and economics and philosophy, right? Yep. As I've, yep. I've gotten more philosophical as I've half a degree in a master's in theology that I've never finished, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. People sit there and say, hey, why can't we fix things in security? Well, the fundamental problem in cybersecurity is it's not a technical problem. Mm-hmm. People have been killing and stealing since the dawn of our recorded history. Mm-hmm. We just can do it at greater distance and scale with technology. Mm-hmm. I can try to mitigate it and minimize it, hopefully create some things that could detect problems. But I can't stop the criminal problem, right? Because yeah. it's, you know, it's depressing to say it's inherent in our nature, but it's kind of inherent in our nature, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the way we architect our tech stack, you know, really just lends itself to lots of criminality. Yeah. So it's, you know, people get to burnout in security when they get mid-career and they realize is we're not really solving problems. We're pushing bits around. We might, mm-hmm. we might minimize some risks here or there, but fundamentally... I don't think anything's really changed in 30 years except the scale of the problem, the dollars lost. And now, instead of in the 90s, we talked about the dystopian where you can kill people with hacking. Mm -hmm. We're here today. You kick over a hospital with ransomware and all of a sudden, you know, people can't arrange life-saving care at the speed with which to uh, is necessary to sustain life. Yes. Or self-driving cars that can be manipulated to drive Mm -hmm. over pedestrians because it thinks it's a crosswalk. Right. You know, we're we're building the dystopian future that we all talked about in the 90s in hacker magazines. And apparently yeah. nobody thought to say, hey, we saw this 20 years ago, how to stop this in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Now we're just in a world where we've got to minimize risk, which is a nice insurance euphemism for keeping the death and mayhem to financially acceptable levels. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Very said. I don't write to predict the future. I write to prevent the future. Um, yeah, exactly. well, the future comes whether you want to stop and they're still marching on anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So on a slightly light, lighter note, uh, in your introduction <laughs> under your areas of expertise, there was a title that caught my eye. You described yourself as an artisanal malware curator. So what does that yeah. mean? What is your, what is your interest in unusual types of malware? Um, so probably like most people in the industry, 
I get the term that's get banding, bandied about as neurodivergent is mm-hmm. I have real problems with boredom, mm-hmm. you know, is that I, I cause all sorts of problems when I get bored. So I just mm-hmm. need new things, right? Is, um, you know, it's, it's, there's lots of commodity malware we see every day, right? You know, right. I don't need another report on Drydex, you know, or yeah. Ice ID or whatever, right? It's, mm-hmm. I mean, there's new indicators, great, you know, but it's known. I like finding unknown and new stuff. And mm-hmm. when I figure it out, then I want to find more unknown or new stuff. And when I get stagnant, then, you know, like I said, then I create problems. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's better to, uh, you know, find new things. And, and I, that's part of the genesis. And then part, right, there's the inherent sarcasm of our industry, right, of, you know, of, of how we title things, right? You know, the more yeah. depressing thing I could say is I'm a digital janitor, right? You know, right. <laughs> you know, sure. But artisanal malware curator sounds important, uh, yeah. important to the laity, so to speak. Yeah, I can almost smell the cinnamon coming off of it or something. Like it smells yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. appealing. So so yeah. does that mean that you're 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 trying to like write unusual malware to see if it can do something different? Or are you just sort of researching out in the field for like the, the strangest malware that you can find and then sort of like reporting your findings? I mean, if, if finding strange and new things really. Yeah. It's, okay. it's, I don't I don't so much write. I mean, there's there's an infinite number of ways to commit violence. There's only a finite ways to protect life. And I focus yeah. on the other end of that equation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, it's, I like finding new stuff because like I said, once something's known, hopefully you can automate a defense against it. Yeah. Now I think there's an inherent problem in the security industry where we don't automate as much as we should, because that would minimize the value mm-hmm. of our services. Uh, but the reality is, this is so much new stuff going on all the time, especially when you get into the APT space. Yeah. You would have told me in 2014 that I'd be center stage in an investigation affecting the presidential election. I'd be like, you're out of your mind. And then 2016 happened. And that's exactly where I was. Yep. Yeah. Now, um, to that end, well, I, I want to get back to APTs in a little bit here, but um, uh, going back to sort of job role things, you've, you've we've talked about a, a lot of different tasks and roles and hats to wear that you have over your professions. Uh, so my usual stock question is, what is your average day like? But that's obviously going to be tricky since I imagine it changes a lot from day to day. So let me ask this instead. What is your ideal work day? What combination of the things you're involved with do you like to do most in a day? And now knowing your, uh, your, your uh, disdain for boredom, how does what what does a day's activity look like that ends with you coming home and saying to your family that was a really good day? Yeah, I would say you know minimal amount of Zoom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's the world we're in now, and I get it, but I hate it. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, so um, I mean, it would, it would vary. I don't know how you'd slice up a, a specific day, right? There's different mm-hmm. aspects. I mean, one of the nice things, at least this stage of my career and, and, and where we are in the industry is, is kind of the conference circuit of seeing, hey, what other people are doing. There's mm. just not much of that going on right now. Yeah, you know, of course. Reasons, which which kind of sucks, right? But that's usually a day-long thing or or multi-days, right? So I've, I've done the Black Hat DEF CON thing most years of the past five or six. Yep. I mean, even RSA, which we don't think of really as a real security conference, it's a trade show. Um, hopefully no one from RSA is listening where I just got blackheaded from ever, or blacklisted from ever speaking again, yeah. you know, but all of my people are there, right? And, and a lot more, right? And mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know, what are you working on that's new? Because like I said, human being finite, 
um, there's only so much I can find um, mm-hmm. or, or who I can work with to collaborate to, to tackle interesting problems. Yep. So, um, you know, if I can get to some end result of something. So I've done a lot of cryptocurrency research of neo-Nazi groups. And to clarify what I mean by neo-Nazi, I mean, using swastikas and saying Heil Hitler. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, versus somebody whose politics I don't like, mm-hmm. um, you know, who, who have been tied to violent activity. Right. And trying to say, OK, how can we, you know, I'd have helped get judgments against them. Right. Because mm-hmm. there have been lawsuits. Now, how can we extract money out of them to victims? You know, I'll feel much better when I can succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody's really figured out that problem aside of like the secret surface rolling everybody up and just taking their crap. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do you see any any sort of. Do you can you even see a sort of a path into that direction? Like, is it is it a matter of like it could happen if X, Y and Z happen or you're mm-hmm. like, I don't know. We're trying to figure out what X, Y and Z look like. Okay. So I like I like having new problems and trying to figure out, OK, how's the path to solve this? Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's a notion of imposter syndrome that yep. that several people talk about. The reality is that, a, you know, at a strict level, we're all imposters. Right. You know, if we knew how to solve the problem, we'd script it and move on. Yeah. Right. We're dealing with problems that nobody knows the answer to. Yep. Uh, certainly not a complete answer. And we're all yep. figuring out as we go. And by the time we think we might figure it out, somebody's introduced new technology or new risks that now we need to figure out. Yeah. So uh, on one hand, it's people like, oh, I don't know what the answer is. But, you know, once you kind of get past it, no one really knows what the answers are. Then it's like, OK, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a big problem and grind on it and hopefully solve it. So I guess a good day would be I've solved a big problem. I've identified specifically who bad guy is. I've figured out some new technique, new defense, new way to detect something, you know, new way to achieve some security outcome, you know, uh, detect what the PRC is doing to the Uyghur Muslims, you know, pick, pick whatever, right? It's, you know, once there's an outcome, I could deliver something for some marginal value for broader society. I mean, yeah. I have a day job, right? Have my own business. I got to deliver value to my clients. I get that, right? That puts food on the table. But, you know, what makes me excited is figuring out some way to deliver at least some marginal value to society writ large. Yeah. Well, to that end, can you talk about some of the main security threats or threat actors that you're currently researching and dealing with? And uh, well, like what, what, what trends or threat actors or, or whatever are keeping you awake at night right now? You know, I like the general Mattis response to the, the what keeps you awake at light at night mm-hmm. where he says nothing. I keep other people awake at night. But the reality mm-hmm. is that there's not much fear I can instill into anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I mean, at this point, I'm kind of numb to the reality is like, you know, people are stealing and, and killing everywhere in the world all hours of the day. Mm-hmm. All I can do is try to marginally make that better for whatever sphere of influence that I have. Um, so. Um, you know, ransomware is something I've been dealing with for eight years, right? Uh, it's yep. something we're still going to be dealing with for a while. Um, you know, now it's a lot of policy discussions of, of the camp of, hey, let's never pay ransoms. And I'm probably the exception to that rule of saying that policy is stupid and mm. it's going to lead to dead bodies. Yeah. So you're going to use never, which is a moral word. You need to answer, okay, how many dead bodies are you willing to tolerate for that moral imperative? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, nobody likes that because, oh, it's just money. Well, not what involves a hospital or yes. power grids or right. a, a subset of circumstances because we have attributed deaths to ransomware infections. Yeah. Um, you know, there's lots of crime just directed at normal people, right? You know, of mm-hmm. romance scams where there's not much yeah. 
that happened to people, right? And and it was kind of an abstraction until recently, right? Now newly divorced. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you know, it's how people are dating is now more relevant to my life. Is but you know, people get lonely, especially in the pandemic. And then you've got oh, yeah. people who extract tons of money, their life savings, mm-hmm. and there's no one to make them whole. There's no insurance policy they can buy. Yes. Um, you know, and the bank says, Hey, you wired a hundred thousand dollars to Nigeria. Sorry. You know, and that are then there's a more virulent varieties of, of now I've got intimate pictures and sexting that I can use for blackmail. Mm-hmm. And we saw at least with the Ashley Madison breach that ended with suicides. Yes. So, I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're moving into a world where death is an outcome. Yeah. Um, not, not a good outcome, obviously. Um, versus 10 years ago, it's like, okay, credit card fraud is bad. I'm not going to say it's good. Right. But when's the last time anybody's had to pay for a fraudulent credit card transaction? Exactly. Yeah. You know, most of the time mm-hmm. now it's like, you know, I've had, I don't know, maybe a dozen credit cards compromised. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah, it is, it is and, not the, it is not the sort of like, you know, a week, week long disaster that it once was. You call your, you call your bank and they put a freeze oh, and yeah. sometimes they even reverse the charge, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, the worst I, thing that happens is you have, you know, negative $250 to Nike that never goes through or whatever. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. the biggest inconvenience I've ever had with that is that I'm overseas, so I can't get a new credit card yes, and I'm going to yeah. figure out what to a week, use. A week of waiting for your debit card. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I've always used credit cards and not debit cards for transactions. So I don't have to yeah. worry about that hassle, but I mean, it's, right. it's, it's a minor hassle. I could deal with it all online. Half the time, just oh, I've got a new credit card. Okay, mm-hmm, snip. Mm-hmm. Here's a new one. Fine. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, trade secret theft is a thing, but if you care, that's really a company problem. I won't mm-hmm. say it's not significant, right? Because yeah. I, I am paid to protect other people's trade secrets. Mm-hmm. But that's just stealing information. Is just you know, it happens. It doesn't. I you know, it, it, it's impactful. But, you know, it, it's dealt with, right? I, that, until recently, I steered away from APT, SB, uh, APT growth, because espionage is espionage, right? We've been dealing yeah. with that for thousands of years. Right. There is no end game to that. You yeah. know, our end game is we caught somebody, we send them a PNG and kick them out of the country, and they send a new spy in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's just yeah. the circle of geopolitics. There's no yeah. end game to that versus at right. least cyber crime. Maybe I can get somebody arrested. Yep. Yeah. And I think that goes to what you were saying about, um, you know, forensics is more than just tools. Like if you're interested in computer forensics, you have to be interested in forensics and you, it just as a thing rather than like, this isn't like the cool side. It's just a different tool to do. Like you said, something that's thousands of, of years old and you have to decide whether that, that root thing is interesting to you rather than the sort of cyber spin on it. Right. Well, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, like forensics is about law. And like I said, I taught mm-hmm. a year long class in forensics at uh, law and CS class. Spend yep. six weeks on the law. And, and one of the things I drilled home is, you know, we're, we're talking about Black Lives Matter and criminal justice reform now. Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. in forensics, right, you're almost always working for the prosecution. You know, yeah. you're on the powerful side of a very unbalanced power dynamic, mm-hmm. especially when you're dealing with criminal matters. Right. So um, that kind of led to me volunteering to do work for public defenders. Is two days ago, I picked up a, a murder kidnapping case. Mm-hmm. Where I'm just, you know, doing my analysis of what the police did uh, of the computer evidence involved of, of that case. Um, you know, so um, it's something to keep in mind is that some of the stuff that we enter into is actually part of the political discussion when you think about it. Oh, yeah. If you care about criminal justice reform, then you really need to care about getting your an- analysis right in forensics because yep. 
99% of the time, you're just not challenged. So if you say boo, everybody believes you're right. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, unless you're willing to volunteer for the defense side, you know, you damn well better be right. Yes. Man, well put. Yeah, I'm, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a great discussion. I want to kind of circle it back into cybersecurity, but I really enjoyed the uh, yeah the sort of ethics of this. So from uh, a threat researcher's perspective, can you talk about some things that the cybersecurity industry isn't addressing or isn't taking seriously enough at the moment that makes you want to kind of shake everyone and say, why are you letting this slide? Well, I think I made reference to like romance games generally, right? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, when you think threat research, it's almost always vendors. Yeah. So somebody's got to be paying the bill. Yep. Right. And that's just the nature of a free market economy. Fine. Mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. But there's a whole lot of threat landscape where there just isn't anybody. So threat re- threat research in terms of, of like the work Citizen Lab does with uh, with NSO and others, the work some EFF does and uh, Ava Galperin with Stalkerware. Um, mm-hmm. There's lots of threats out there that are effectively unaddressed, right? There's, there's an ad hoc group that I can't point to an organization that deals with business email compromise, but romance scams are a part of that. Okay. Um, which is more money going out the door than there is for ransomware. Yeah. So, I mean, by dollars, it's more impactful. But, I mean, if I steal from a company, they probably have insurance. I'm not going to say it's fun. I'm not going to say you don't have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But insured threat, I mean, the whole point of insure, insurance is to deal with a threat when you deal with taking somebody's life savings. And I've just had a handful of pro bono clients as I can't do anything for them. Right. You know, I got to talk about this is what happened and whatever. But, you know, there was some elderly lady who, um, you know, her lawyer got business email compromised, sent a down payment for a house that got redirected. And sorry, you're at your life savings. That was your retirement. And I mean, I could tell her how she got screwed. But I can't do anything about it because, well, there's nobody paying that bill. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how to solve that problem except contributing some measure of my time for pro bono work. Okay. Uh, and encouraging others to do so because I don't know, pick anything that you're interested in any group. Yeah. Right? You yeah, got school little- kids, speak to a PTA about how to monitor your kid's cell phone and how to deal with uh, sexting in schools and bullying. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's especially after the pandemic, so much of our life has lived online to where there's no protection. Yeah. Like I'm not a big like cheerleader for Facebook, but in the last year or so they're putting together, they put together a team to say, you know what, we're going to protect our users while they're on our platform instead Mm -hmm. of just protecting our platform. Right. Realizing that this is a captive portal. So there's some measure of responsibility we have good, good on them. I think they should do more, but there's lots of people out there that are just like, whatever you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're not, you're not the customer, you're the product being sold. Mm-hmm. So, you know, can you, can you talk about some of like, you know, I, like you said, you can volunteer anywhere, but do you have any particular organizations or starting places or people who want to sort of uh, contribute their, their effort to sort of pushing back the, uh, the tide? Uh, well, I mean, it's, I mean, like I said, there's some groups I mentioned. I don't know Citizen Lab takes volunteers. I know EFF mm-hmm. does have a network of a network right. of people that'll connect you to things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even in forensics, right? As I picked up a couple of pro bono forensics cases through the EFF that okay. I've helped out with. Um, you know, beyond that, it's it's almost local groups. Yeah. You know, and it, and it's really it's like you don't have to go out somewhere else to go find something. Right. It's just look around in your own circle and you're going to find things. Yes. Right. You know, if, if, if you have kids and you're involved with the PTA, 
There's mm-hmm. something you do about cyberbullying, stalking, all the threats to, to children. You know, yeah. if you like elderly, there's, you know, go to a nursing home or, uh, you know, an elderly support group or an elder, uh, elder abuse hotline. If cyber stalking is your concern, there's crisis pregnancy centers and, and crisis residential centers for uh, women in transition or, or, or even or even men who face similar threats. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's, you know, if there's a social cause that, that you care about or a social group you're part of, odds are there's a cybersecurity concern, right? Yeah. Um, that, that you can go to, right? Is generally, I don't pro bono my time to companies who can pay me, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, because, well, you've got money and, you know, you need to go figure out your books so that you pay appropriately. But, you know, you've got lots of civic groups. I mean, you, there's rotary societies, right? anything that, that, you know, uh, you're building your social security or social network in the community you're in. Mm-hmm. Opportunities will find you, right? Yeah. If, if yeah. you're getting, well, I'd say if you're getting out of the house, depending on where you are and where we are in the pandemic, that might be hard. But um, you know, almost everybody has has some yeah. network, you know, yeah. close to them or their interest level where they they can be involved. Yeah, I've I've, I've had that image in my head since talking to uh, Emily Miller about, about infrastructure security and how many sort of local municipalities and city governments and stuff have just appalling lack of, of security. And, you know, of course the Oldsmar water case is like the perfect example of that, but, you know, I, I feel like there could be this kind of, of sort of new volunteerism that you speak of where people are not only, you know, doing, doing their job well and putting food on the table, but also, contributing those skills towards, you know, this unbelievably huge field of sort of unsecured things and unsecured people and safety, safety compromised people and so forth. Right. You know, I said, actually, I don't think of like vulnerability research is your thing. There's, I am the Calvary. This notion, right. It's, oh, okay. Somebody else needs to fix it. There ain't yeah. nobody else. Yeah. 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 You know, if my problem, one of the problems I face is, you know, it's just like people know I volunteer time and there's only so much time I have. Right. Yes, you know, yes. Yes. And I'm also exactly. kind of like a sucker for cases where, you know what, if it's not me, there ain't nobody else. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, so, uh, you know, I wouldn't give my time to say the city of Chicago, they're a big enough city with enough money, right? you know, but a rural town, mm-hmm. you know, and I live in a rural community that's yep. population 9,000. Yeah. You know, okay, right? There's there's only so much money to go around. You've mm-hmm. got to be big enough to yep. be able to get started, right? But there's lots mm-hmm. of small stuff in there. You can involve your local chamber if you care about SMB issues. Yeah, find right. a local chamber of commerce, farm mm-hmm. bureau, right? You know, yep. whatever whatever interests you happen to be there. Um, you know, and like I said, there, there's probably some measure of people who need help or need advice or uh, you know need something. Church groups. You know, yeah. another another avenue, whatever your social circle is. Right. I'm sure there's somebody not too far from it that that could, you know, help plug you into people in need or or institutions or organizations. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Go ahead. So I say just do it. Do what you have to do, but also do a, do a little more on the side if you can. Yeah. And I mean, make your, make your patch, yeah. of, patch of this rock we call planet Earth marginally better. I mean, mm-hmm. all right. problems, but we can help help individuals have somewhat of a better experience. 
Absolutely. So uh, let's let's talk about how we're how we uh, sort of train the next generation of people to do that. There's uh, you know, there's there's a lot of gradations of careers and jobs relating to all of these jobs, threat researcher, threat intelligence, incident response. So for folks who are interested in 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 the sort of really taking the fight to the cyber criminals, uh, as you say, and, and sort of shutting down ransom networks and stuff, what types of skills, knowledge or experience uh, should they be acquiring to make them desirable people hiring for that type of work? Gotcha. So, um, like I said, I would I would argue that having a broad base of understanding of technology really helps. Okay. It's not strictly required. Yep. But it really makes you more effective, you know, in the out years. Yeah. Uh, you know, basic barrier of entry is at least have some digital forensics or malware reverse engineering skills. Because mm-hmm. ultimately, it, it, it's the starting point is either some piece of malware or some network incident that needs to be dug into going back and, and digging backwards. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of online courses and uh, other things that will teach you open source intelligence in cybersecurity yep. to go through all of the various tools, some paid, some free, right? There's lots mm-hmm. of free resources out there. Uh, mm-hmm. Abuse.ch does a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and has some information, urlscan.io. Um, I forget the name of the GitHub, but there's a, an amazing threat intelligence little GitHub, but it's really just a list of stuff. Okay. Um, you know, and it really depends on what your, your interest in research, right? There's resources. If you're interested in industrial or OT systems, there's things mm-hmm. of, of malware, there's things of threat intelligence proper, there's things of, uh, of various uh, social engineering uh, type intelligence. So um, you, you pick something that interests you, right? The advantage we have in this industry is that there's so many things you can do find whatever you're interested in. There's no, there's no reason to not be really passionate about something you're researching. Yeah. Cause there's always something, right. If you care about healthcare, mm-hmm. plenty of healthcare stuff, but yeah. lots of healthcare. Okay, right? yeah. If you care about educational and K-12, all sorts of systems being put in there, right. Mm-hmm. And, and risks. Yeah. I think so. the, the thing that I want to kind of keep reiterating to people is that there's, there's no downside to specializing in something, you know, we, we, we hear so many things of like, well, should I, should I learn about, you know, windows 10 vulnerabilities? Cause what if I don't have to use it or whatever? It's like, you're there's, there's, there's no downside to learning, <laughs> you, know? Yeah, and, um, you know, and I think that seems to be one of the things that keeps coming up again and again is, is what if I put all this time into learning this one thing and then I don't want to do it. It's like, well then do something else. you know. Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and 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 the core skills and mentality you're developing, learning something else will help you learn the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's, no, I mean, there's no wasted time, right? You're learning, yeah. you're learning something new, you're developing, yep. and things have a tendency of coming back around. Yeah, right. It's yeah. I was about to remove the entire concept of worms from my courses. Mm-hmm. When's the last time we saw a worm before WannaCry? And right, then one right. happened. It's like, oh, I guess worms are still a thing because mm-hmm. guess what? We still haven't learned the lessons of not putting, you know, SMB internet facing yeah. in healthcare environments, looking at UNHS. <laughs> um, you know, uh, IoT security. The problems in IoT security are the same things that we had in, in Linux and Linux security in the late 90s and early turn of the century. Mm-hmm. It's just that new companies started making devices. And their experience was in manufacturing, not in hardening operating systems. So they reintroduced things that more or less were solved. Telnet was a dead protocol. Mm-hmm. And then Mirai happened. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so um, even if things aren't valuable, you know, in the next six months, like I said, it, there's kind of a cyclical nature of things where if you extract 
extract away kind of the the very deep level stuff about say Windows 10. Some of the fundamental realities will still be there come Windows 15 or whatever Microsoft will call it. Yes. Right. You know, uh, people, you know, in in 95, right, smashing the stack for fun and profit was a big thing. Yep. 26 years later, we still have buffer overflows. But you strip away memory manipulation, you know, we still can't safely process inputs. You know, it's the same problem that goes into SQL injection. It's the same problem that goes into the various attacks in machine learning. Mm -hmm. It's all input validation off of untrusted data. And three decades on, you know, where are we? Eh. Yeah. (laughs) Just introduce new ways to suck instead of solving the old ways of sucking. (laughs) But the old ways of sucking are still kind of there. Yeah. (laughs) So um, conversely, there's a lot of people who might want to contribute to this industry, but might be not so keen on being directly in the crosshairs of actual cyber criminals and stuff. So can, can you talk about some adjacent careers around this type of work that, that don't make you cybercrime public enemy number one, be it, let's say, threat modeling or incident response or other related jobs? Sure. I, I would just say up front, it's very rare that I have observed any targeting of me based on what I do. Mm-hmm. I've publicly kicked neo-Nazis. Yeah, okay. They threaten me a little bit, but, you yep. know. Fine. You know, um, I'd researched some Russian and Chinese stuff. They did some stuff, caught them, whatever. It's it's all very low level. No one's no one in our industry is going to get a, a, a polonium green tea at a cafe anytime soon. Right. Right. Um, you know, there's a, there's a subset of things that could get you in the crosshairs, but it's pretty obvious of what those are. Mm-hmm. By and large, most people don't have any significant risk. I mean, unless you're developing high level zero days, which are useful for intelligence agencies, mm-hmm. but even that problem is, is dealable. You step into that space and know you're taking a look at, and if that's uncomfortable for you, then think about being in a different space. There's, there's a whole lot of research that just nobody really cares about, right. In terms of that kind of targeting, um, buying threat modeling uh, is ultimately we think of cybersecurity as a technical problem. It's really a human problem. But the most you can do in a business is is manage risk. Hmm. Um, you know, is if you tell me, you know, hey, here's a blank check. I want all the security. You're going to get a high dollar amount. But very few people can pay that. Right. You know, yeah. if you're working for a small business or a medium sized business there's only so much you can do. Right. So threat modeling is, is understanding attacks and threats at a, at a general level and being like, hey, give you an example. Ransomware is essentially an availability problem availability and business continuity. You know, it's, you take all the stuff you learn in the CISSP, you strip away data center fires and natural disasters and swap in ransomware. Ultimately, it's the same kind of response strategy is how do I get back up and running quickly? Yep. The problem is, is that backups haven't evolved in 40 years because we're still using tape. Right. But, um, you know, at its core, it's the same. But you problem. could be one of those people that's that's pushing that that technology forward. Yeah, right. You know, if you're a medium sized business to say, hey, what are we going to do about ransomware? It's like, you know, I need to have a plan to replicate my AD somewhere else and get essential business operations running in a different facility in a different cloud somehow. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, instead of saying, oh, I'm going to buy this endpoint and this thing, and here's your $3 million worth of budget that I need, is, is finding easier ways to do that. And threat modeling is like, okay, I've got only this much to work with. What do I spend my time on, right? Okay. This, you know, and I'll tell you, it's like with, with, with threat modeling, right, of, of an observation of just looking at recent APT, ransomware, a handful of attacks. If an organization just can manage PowerShell. hmm you would solve so many of your problems. 
And my manage is like log it, make sure all PowerShell scripts are signed, that you're managing the keys of signatures, because almost everywhere in the chain of a modern attack, somebody's using PowerShell that's unrestricted, which means, you know, the attackers use PowerShell the same the same reason we do. Yeah. We've got a lot of stuff to manage, right? Yep. You know, they yep. want to manage all of our stuff too, just not for availability and, and confidentiality. Right. So I say, uh, you know, if, if, if you're looking at that stuff and that's, that's just a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, there's yeah. is dozens of security uh, security research companies that publish blogs and PDFs and you read all this and you start gleaning and gleaning insights to say, Hey, I'm a medium sized business. I can't afford FireEye and CrowdStrike and right. all the name vendors. Yep. But you know what? I can click on these GPO settings and manage my PowerShell. Okay. Is it 100%? No, but it's a lot better than not start. doing it. And, yeah. you know, it, it doesn't cost anything uh, aside of time and, and effort and engineering, right? It's it's all yeah. internal cost versus PO cost. Right. Um, yeah. So um, looking to the future, I mean, we talked about the sort of depressing trudge of, of history and the 30 years of, of things not not changing uh, demonstrably in terms of uh, uh, threats and, and just finding different ways. But do do you have any sort of predictions for how sort of threat hunting and threat research uh, will be in five to 10 years? I think at a high level, it's substantiating substantially the same. Bad guys are going to still do bad things, and we're going mm-hmm. to need to figure out what they're doing and try to protect things. Right. I think the things that will change, you know, are, are really outside the security space proper. Mm-hmm. You know, the geopolitical trends of uh, of less stability and congeniality between uh, the various power polars in the world impacts things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and can impact things because we, you know, we've seen a lot of destructive attacks waged when geopolitical tensions are high. So the higher they get, the more we're going to see things like kicking over power grids for not for fun and profit, but for uh, you know for patriotism or lulls. Tactical moves, um, yeah, yeah. You know, I we're adopting technology in so many areas of life where we're inventing new risks. Mm-hmm. You know, come nine eleven, I hated the term cyber terrorism. 20 years ago. It's like, it's not a thing. There's nothing I can do with a computer in 2001 that creates debilitating fear in society, right? There's malware, there's lots of bad things. That isn't to say it's a bad thing, but it's not terrorism. Right. You know, with self-driving cars that are connected on 5G networks, you know, if you don't get that right, you know, and I start driving cars into each other in a major metropolitan area, then all of a sudden people are afraid to stop, start going in cars and society yep. grinds to a halt. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are the kind of things, uh, you know, the world we're creating is that, you know, cyber terrorism was a funding term in 2001. Now it's a reality we're creating in 2021. Yep. Um, now, the barrier of entry that is high and not to be over alarmist. It's not like any Tom, Dick and Harry could do that. Yeah. But there's a whole new class of risks that we're introducing as we've taken computers from just IT to cyber physical systems. Mm-hmm. Right now, you can do things in the physical world, and there's a whole lot of harms that I don't think we're prepared to deal with in that world. Do you have any any advice for uh, dealing with those harms in the in the world? I mean, ultimately, anytime somebody wants to put technology into something, somebody's got to do a risk assessment, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess one important skill to have, which is I don't know how to develop it. I've told my students this: is to have a non-weaponized criminal mind. Hmm. You know, so one exercise I do to one of my classes, first lecture is 
somebody name for me some neat new technology and somebody create something. Okay. Now, how would you kill somebody with it? And everybody's like, no, I'm not joking. I want you to come up with a plan to commit murder and mayhem. Wow. And if, if you can't do that, you could still have a pretty lucrative career in security, right? There's lots of work to be done. But, you know, to do risk modeling is, is to be able to credibly tell an organization that wants to do X. is like, these are the bad things that can happen. And hopefully here are the things you can do to mitigate or otherwise eliminate that risk. Um, you know, and hopefully people believe you. Or you get them to sign a risk acceptance form that you put in your safe at home so that when something bad happens, you could say, I told you so, don't yeah. assume it. Yeah, leave it. Yeah. Yeah, here's my CYA. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I may I may or may not have a CYA safe at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, so uh, this has been, we're coming up on the hour here, and I, I could talk to you for, for four more. This has been a fascinating discussion. Thank you. But uh, as we wrap up today, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Bambinet Consulting and, and what services you offer to your customers? Sure. Uh, Bambinet Consulting is predominantly produces threat feeds. Uh, mm-hmm. So I track a lot of malware families and created this uh, unique model for DNS surveillance uh, to then uh, give that data to customers to just block threats. Uh, and the same thing to quad nines is that the idea, at least my idea is, you know, there's so much noise. Let's just block the known stuff and focus yeah. on the unknown stuff. Okay. Uh, so one last uh, question for all the beans. If our listeners want to learn more about John Bambinek, where can they go online? Uh, I'm on Twitter at just at Bambanek, LinkedIn, all the various social media sites. Great. Uh, you can learn some some more about NetRich, the company I work for at netrich.com as well. Uh, oh yeah, ben, talk about them too. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Net, NetRich is a, a NetOps and security ops company. Uh, so two different uh, two different forms uh, provide a platform to to focus on outcomes. So instead of just saying here I'm going to generate lots of alerts, to try to get to the point is like I'm going to make you more secure or, or detect threats quicker so that you can respond quicker. So there's lots of uh, platform that we've got for that to, to really hopefully speed up and make more efficient uh, a company security team. And where can people find NetEnrich? Uh, NetEnrich.com, N-E-T-E-N-R-I-C-H.com. Perfect. John, thank you so much for your time and insights today. This was amazing. Thank you. Uh, And thanks, as always, to everyone who is listening and watching at home uh, or at work. Uh, New episodes of the Cyberwork Podcast are available every Monday at 1 p.m. Central, both on video at our YouTube page and on audio wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. I'm excited to announce that our InfoSec Skills platform will be releasing a new challenge every month with three hands-on labs to put your cyber skills to the test. Each month, you'll build a new skill ranging from secure coding to penetration testing to advanced persistent threats and everything in between. Plus, we're giving away more than $1,000 worth of prizes each month. Just go to infosecinstitute.com slash challenge and get started right now. Thank you once again to John Bambinek and thank you all so much for watching and listening. We will speak to you next week. How about some free cybersecurity training resources for you and your team? Just go to infosecinstitute.com slash free to get ebooks, training guides, and more than 100 cybersecurity training courses, all free for cyber work listeners. Go to infosecinstitute.com slash free and start learning crucial new skills today.